Um, okay, new wine. New wine today. We're talking about new wine. Um, I'm going to make some new wine soon. Oh, yeah. And uh, yeah, actually, can I have that? Yeah, I'm going to make some new wine. And uh, although Charles was very rude about my wine, last time I made some wine. I took some wine around the Makinsons. We were there with the Makinsons and the Olivier's. And I brought around some wine. I mean, you know, free. And there it was. And, and, and Charles was like, this is rubbish. It's got no alcohol content whatsoever. <laughs> so that tells you all you need to know about Charles, right? There. Uh, but um, nonetheless, uh, actually, maybe it's more like biblical wine, you know, because it was low alcohol in those days, right? So I'm making spiritual wine. Something, something like that. So uh, uh, I've had a fun weekend. I hope, hope you have. Uh, I bring you greetings from the church in Leicester. Oh, amen. Uh, they prayed for us last night. I was up in Leicester last night um, doing some teaching for them, like a teaching day, and we finished about 9 o'clock last night. And uh, at the end of it, Roger Frimpong got up and, uh, and, and prayed for all of us, which I really appreciate. And they're a wonderful group up in Leicester. And they understand uh, our situation in many ways because they're about roughly the same size as us. And... Uh, and have a heart to, uh, to, to encourage us. So that was wonderful. So greetings from, from Leicester. Um, okay, what are we talking about today? New wine. Um, is the old better than the new? Yes. That's the question. Is the old <laughs> better than the new? Now, okay, let me ask you this. Let me ask you this. Okay, uh, uh, what do you miss from yesteryear? What do you miss from when you were younger that's no longer around? You know, not easy to find, not easy to get hold of. Stuff that you used to enjoy, but you can't get now. Maybe from your childhood, maybe from when you were just a bit younger. But, you know, what do you miss that you now, that isn't around anymore? Old-fashioned girls again. Old-fashioned? They've made it really, like, girly and it doesn't match the boy Lego. Ah. I don't like that. Don't like that? Okay. Oh, we don't want that. Okay. The old Star Wars toys. The old oh, stars, the, the originals. He still has an R2D2. He still has an R2D2. Can we see it next week? You, bring it? Okay. <laughs> you can find it, right? I uh, know where it is. You know where it is, you bring it next week. It's probably worth a lot of money. <laughs> old Star Wars stuff. Uh, what else? What else do we miss? Miss anything? Uh, the old computer games. The old computer games? What kind of computer games? Uh, what was it? ZX Spectrum. Yeah. Yeah. Okay, now it's all coming back. <laughs> it's all coming back now. Missed anything else? The old cars. Classic cars. Cars that are classic now. Words at the time. Yeah. I think we miss. When you start thinking about it, there are things that we miss. I think there is a prevailing sense that uh, things were better. We had these rose-tinted spectacles, in some ways. Uh, we probably all got our favorite music decade. Yes. Oh. All right, we think the music of today is rubbish, <laughs> right? Maybe you're a 90s person, oh, yeah. and you miss all the 90s music. Uh, I don't really, but there you go. Or maybe you're more of an 80s person. No, this is a, a, an argument that Andrew Agamak and I have frequently. <laughs> Because he thinks 80s music is amazing. He actually, for my birthday one year, gave me a compilation CD of 80s music. I'm not sure I've ever played it. Uh, but anyway, he loves 80s music. I'm just a little bit older than Andrew, so uh, I'm more uh, 70s. Not actually that I've ever created a shape, ever, in my life. 
Um, other people seem to have conviction, they're saying, but you and your followers do not seem to have deep spiritual conviction. A fasting, of course, in the New Old Testament was used for what? what? What do you associate fasting with in the Old Covenant, in the Old Testament? Can you think just for a minute? What do you associate with? Sorrow. 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 Excellent. Yes. Sorrow. Mourning. Yes. Grieving. Yes. Fasting at times of bereavement and that kind of time. Yeah. Anything else? Petitioning God. Petitioning God. God be with us. Help us. Okay. Answer our prayers. Yeah. Yeah. Fasting actually is uh, very much in the Old Testament. But it wasn't particularly part of the lifestyle of uh, Israelites. Uh, fasting was only mandated one day a year, or one time a year, and that was the Day of Atonement. So your average Israelite would probably only fast once a year, uh, perhaps a little more often. Uh, at times of national crisis, there was mandated fasting. Uh, prophets would call for fasting, usually because the people needed to repent. Uh, that was the reason for the prophets calling for fasting. Um, Fasting at times of crisis, times of personal sin, uh, but, and fasting accompanying mourning. And I think that's the, the context here. It's like uh, Jesus is talking about here, there will come a time when I'm taken from them, and then the disciples, and then there will be fasting. And the Pharisees uh, institutionalized fasting. They themselves fasted twice a week, and they expected therefore everybody else to do the same. Or at least they thought anybody pious. Uh, claiming to be a rabbi, speaking for God, would want to do at least the same thing. Jesus is being regarded as insufficiently holy. That's an interesting thing. He's insufficiently holy, according to the religious leaders of the day. He does not look how they think a holy person should look. And I think that's something interesting for us to think about a bit ourselves. How do we think holiness looks? How do we judge that? Jesus says, um, he says, you know, they say, you're, you're, there's all this eating and drinking going on, and obviously in the context, in a sinner's house, Levi. And then he says, well, can you make the friends of the bridegroom fast while he's with them? I mean, come on, it's, it's, we've got a wedding feast going on. What are you, are you going you're gonna to burst into a gate crash of wedding feast and say, you rebellious insufficiently holy people. I know it's a wedding, but you should be fasting. And, and, and did that, I mean, I, I, you'd have the bouncers get those people out really quick if it was your wedding. And um, he's saying, look, they, how can they fast while the bridegroom is with them? He's clearly in this context, the bridegroom. We see that uh, explained more fully in Ephesians 5, uh, where the, the church is the bride and Christ is the bridegroom. Um, can they fast while he is with them, but the time will come when the bridegroom will be taken from them in those days. They will fast. And so Jesus is looking ahead to his arrest, his crucifixion. And he's saying at that time, okay, there will be mourning by my disciples and they will be fasting. It'll be a time of crisis for them. Uh, the disciples, I'm sure, don't have a clue what he's talking about here. Certainly the Pharisees don't. We look back and can see what he's talking about here indicating that there is a right time for fasting and a time for feasting. But what I would suggest is I think part of what Jesus is saying here is that the lifestyle, the lifestyle of a follower of Jesus Christ is much more to do with feasting than it is to do with fasting. It's much more to do with feasting than it is to do with fasting. Because even though the time did come when he was taken away, However, he sent the comforter, the paraclete, the, 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 the 
the companion and the Holy Spirit to be with the disciples. And he said, John 14, 23, that when that happens, I and the Father will come and live in them, talking about his disciples. So we have Christ in us, and collectively we have Christ in us and with us. And so when we're together, it's mostly about feasting. And actually, we are eating together today, so that's very appropriate. But it's about a spirit of feasting more than a spirit of fasting. And I think this is relevant for any of us who uh, have the kind of disposition or personality or perhaps upbringing or Christian-type conditioning, which seems to value being uh, in a, morning, a state of mourning or grieving or doubt or... or and not doubt's not quite the right word, but just doubting in oneself like, a, I'm no good. I mean, I'm really no good. I'm just a word. You know, I am a sinner, and we are all just sinners. And and we need to be quiet most of the time, and, uh, you know, frank, and look down, and not be particularly jolly, and it's inappropriate. You know, I mean, we've got a lot of sin, and the world is a dark place. <laughs> and all these things are kind of true, but... But I don't think they're appropriate as a style of life for a disciple. Feasting is the natural state. Banqueting, celebrating is the natural state for a follower of Jesus Christ. Amen. Intermittently, there are periods of fasting. Mm. When we're mourning, when we're grieving, perhaps when we're dealing with some personal sin, or uh, something that's just really paining us, and, or, or collectively as a church, or, or individually. There are times for that, I think. And amen to that. But the normal state is to feast and to banquet. So, Jesus, with that context, goes on to use these, he calls it a parable, but I think in some ways it's three connected parables. The first one is, no one tears. No one tears a piece out of a new garment to patch an old one. I don't, do you have a patch uh, clothes? Um, there was a period when patching jeans was... Uh, 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 was uh, fashionable, and indeed you might take bits of cloth from a perfectly decent pair of jeans and patch it on another pair of jeans just to show that there's a patch, or that there's a hole in the other ones, you know, ripped jeans and stuff. You can still... I saw someone last night, I was on a Leicester train platform, and uh, <clears throat> there was someone there with, with holes in their knees of their jeans, you know, deliberately torn in, and for one, I, I thought, that just looks silly to me, I don't know. But for two, it was like 10 o'clock at night and it was freezing. And I thought, your kneecaps must be really cold. <laughs> That's what I was actually thinking. Because uh, I was pretty cold. But, you know, there's, there's fashion stuff. But you don't, you don't do that, you don't do this kind of thing if, if you want your clothing to last. It's going to ruin both. You ruin the new garment and of course when you wash it, in the, in the days before pre-washed, pre-shrunk garments and special washing powders and substances. Um, if you washed this together, the old garment with the new patch, one will shrink the other and it just rips apart and you've ruined everything. So no one tears this. We can't use the new to fix the old. I think it's part of what Jesus is saying to the Pharisees there. We can't use the new to fix the old. I'm not here to fix the old. I'm not here to fix the old covenant. I'm not here to fix an old religion. I'm not here to improve it. We know that what the New Testament teaches us is that although we value the law and the, and the old covenant and Paul and others affirm that it's a wonderful thing in itself, but that's then and this is now. 
We take back our conduct and our values and the way we live from the New Testament, from the New Covenant, from the teaching of Jesus. And I know that's kind of obvious, but I think we need to, we need to help our friends understand this too. That when we teach people the Bible and try to help them to understand what it really means to be a disciple, we're not trying to patch up their understanding of Christianity or religion. We're trying to show them a whole new picture. A whole new picture. You remember it, I guess. And I do. When I studied the Bible seriously and understood for the first time what it really meant to be a disciple, it completely reordered my thinking, my brain. It's like things were rewired inside to give me a completely new picture of what it really meant to be a Christian. And perhaps we have friends who need a new picture, a new picture, a completely new picture. We don't patch up the old picture. And the second one here is the uh, no one pours new wine into old wineskins. Otherwise the new wine will burst the skins, the wine will run out, wineskins will be ruined. No new wine must be poured into new wineskins. Uh, as Leon mentioned, pouring new wine into new into old wineskins ends up with a waste of wine. What a terrible thing. A waste of wine. Dreadful. The new wine, of course, in that context also would be still fermenting a little bit. Uh, you'd have a little bit of fermentation going on. And so that's why the, the old wineskins would not only be filled, but they would burst because a little bit of fermenting is going on. The, the skins can't expand and then they burst. The wineskins of the day would have been uh, the skin of uh, a goat or a sheep, and they would have included the neck of, of the goat or the sheep. So you pour, you've got your neck and you pour it. Uh, oh, this is followed by that yard. I'm sorry. Sorry if I'm disturbing the, the mother's there. These images of necks of goats and stuff like that. But you pour it, you know, in that way. And then you, it's just, yeah, okay, it's just, you know, life. It's just life. Yeah. Using things and everything that God's given us is good to be used and all that kind of thing. Um, so, one, one of the things that maybe is going on here is also maybe is Jesus is alluding to the fact that his new wine has more vigor than the old. The old wine is sort of dead. It's just old and it's not fermenting anymore. It's just there. This new wine is still fermenting a bit. It's got that little bit of buzz, fizz, bubbles. It's the champagne of wine rather than the old dead uh, stuff of wine. Maybe there's something going on there. And he's saying, my teaching is vigorous. My teaching brings new life. It's, it's got something special about it. You can't mix the old and the new. The new is too vigorous to stand alongside or mix with the old. So we got no one pouring that new wine into old wineskins, and finally, no one wants. No one, in verse 39, no one after drinking old wine wants the new. Now what's going on here? That's an interesting thing. No one, after drinking the old, wants the new. What's Jesus really talking about here? I think what he's talking about is that those who enjoy the old wine, and that's all they're used to, don't want to even try the new. Has this ever happened to you? You just don't want to try something new. Mm -hmm. uh, you get stuck with your old habits. Um, Penny and I were talking about technology on the way here in the car. And uh, I'm really proud of Penny because for many reasons, many reasons, 
But uh, was it two years ago, three years ago, Penny declared to me at the beginning of the year, New Year's resolution, this is the year I'm going to embrace technology. Oh, wow. <laughs> and, you know, it's just not, technology's not, not Penny's thing. She's great with many things, but that, you know, technology's not, it just doesn't, it doesn't excite Penny, doesn't, doesn't enjoy it, but she said I'm going to embrace technology. And frankly, I think we all have to on one level or another, whether we like it or not, right? So she decided this is the year, and so she learned how to use special things at work, things at home, phones and the internet and various things, you know, and she really went for it. And we were talking about it again this morning, because she declared to me that yesterday she worked out the difference between Wi-Fi and Bluetooth. But now she understands it. Which actually, I actually, she probably, although I've been using both for many years, I don't understand it. So she probably knows more about it than I do. I just know, know how to make it work. But... She's, she now knows the difference. Fantastic. And we were talking on the way here about this is the rest of our lives, though. We're always going to be learning new stuff about technology. I mean, I thought once I'd understood the internet and Wi-Fi, fantastic. But what is it going to be next year or five years from now or ten years? Or what will our children's children or children's children's children be doing that's going to be scrambling our brains in, in another 10 or 20 or 30 or however many years? that the new keeps coming, doesn't it? Now, of course, not all that's new is valuable or useful or whatever. But what Jesus is saying is, is when I, I bring you something new, embrace it. Embrace what I bring you that's new. And I think that's true for his teaching, but I think also it's true for the things that he brings into our lives. New things, new experiences, new challenges, new trials, new opportunities, new tests. When Jesus brings those, how do we react? And I think I, maybe for myself, I feel often that I hesitate and I resist and I, I tell God I'm not quite ready. And yet, this is the way we grow. And you know, we've, how long have we been going at our, our adventure here as a, as a church? Uh, effectively, uh, four weeks. Like this, is it? You know, uh, one of those was a London service. So you know, we we're just beginning, and uh, and and a lot of this is new for us. Sure, we sit here, we have a sermon, and that technically isn't new. But you understand, I mean, this whole culture of what we're building here is is very new. The the, the extent to which we're all involved is quite new for a lot of us. Everybody has something to do on a Sunday morning. Everybody has something to do. During the week, often we are, uh, you know, I've got some of the brothers here. You're on the preaching rotor, which you've never been on before. Aside, and, uh, uh, and 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 that's that's just the way it is. We've got new experiences coming up, and new experience for Asagi to preach in. Uh, I think it's next week. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> New experience for Asagi, new experience for us to listen to Asagi. New, new experiences, uh, some of us song leading, we haven't done that before. I, I mean, a lot, some of us doing children's ministry more perhaps than we've done. Uh, this is all really good stuff. It's really good stuff. It's really good stuff. It's really good for you, it's really good for me. I'm having to learn new things, we're all having to learn new things. I'm not just talking about service here of course, I'm talking about all kinds of things. 
that God is giving us new responsibilities and relationships to deepen. Um, I think that God is challenging us to deepen our relationships on a newer, on a new level, a deeper level, a, a more involved level. And I know that uh, we don't see some of us, our, our other friends in uh, North London or Northwest London as much as we used to. We see each other more often, and and um, that, that that's a blessing. Um, can also be a challenge because. You might feel like, I've talked to you last week, and I'm talking to you again this week, and I suppose I'll be talking to you again next week, and I think we've talked about everything I want to talk about, so what else is there now? Uh, and we look at each other a bit, mm, uh, okay. And, but this is the opportunity, to, instead of just talking about the same thing again, is get your cup of tea, go and sit down and say, tell me about your week, and, and here's mine, and, and tell me what I can pray for you about, and how can we deepen our relationship? How could we do that? I mean, are we thinking about that? Rather than just rocking up and saying, hi, nice to see you again, see you next week again, yeah. and next week again. But how, well, how are you having the conversation? How are you, can you and I get deeper? How can you and I have a deeper friendship, a deeper love for one another? Why don't we just talk about that? God is uh, taking us into new territory. He's giving us new challenges. It's good for us. How do we feel about it? How do we feel about it? Are we ready to embrace the new? Embracing the new, not getting stuck in the old, being open to new ideas, new ideas rather than the old. Uh, one last illustration here. Uh, back in the uh, 70s, oh, uh, <laughs> uh, Honda once. 
to bring new life to the people that need it, uh, that live near us and around us. Thank you for this new life. Thank you for the new covenant. And thank you for this bread and this wine. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen.